Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am speaking with recent bride Jenna Vince about her Wishes Collection event at the Grand Floridian Sago Key. And I thought you guys might be interested because it's a location that you don't see often used for ceremonies. And Jenna was able to make a lot of frugal choices with her wedding that allowed her to have a very big budget looking wedding for a very low price. So welcome, Jenna. Thanks for having me, Carrie. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for being on the show. First of all, how did you guys decide to have a Disney wedding? Well, it's sort of funny, really. We're from uh, Toronto, Canada, and the idea of a Disney wedding had never even occurred to us. We were sort of, we picked a budget up here. Um, we were looking around at venues, but nothing seemed to be fitting. We didn't know what we were going to do. We felt sort of lost. And a typical destination wedding didn't seem right either. You know, like on the beach, it wasn't really for us either. Um, but the first time I went wedding dress shopping, I put on a big poofy dress. And my sister said, oh, Jenny, you look like a princess. And my nine-year-old niece said, yeah, you should get married at Disney World. <laughs> and some, the, even though she was kidding and everyone laughed, I was like, no, wait, that's genius. Like, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> we didn't know about Disney fairy tale weddings. We didn't know, like, how big of a deal it was. But we ran home and Googled it up and we knew right away that it was definitely what we wanted to do. So it's really great. That's interesting. That's probably the first time ever that a nine-year-old who is not your younger self has <laughs> determined where a wedding was going to be. <laughs> He's the hero. I owe her big time. <laughs> now, well, I'm curious about that, though. Were you guys Disney fans? Had you been to Walt Disney World before? Or? Yeah, we'd both been as, as kids um, a couple times, not like, not like every year huge fans or anything. But we went together a few years previous to this. And, and fell in love with it as adults, sort of in, in the magic and the theatricalness of Disney. So we really fell in love and always thought we'd go back, sort of thinking about maybe a Disney honeymoon, but have never known they actually do weddings there. And so then just because a lot of people who have Disney weddings have known for a long time that they want to have one, I'm curious, when you did find out that it was possible, were you put off by the price or anything like that? Or were you like, wow, this is the same or cheaper than where we are? When we first wanted to do it, I assumed it was going to be way out of our price range. We already had a budget that we wanted to spend based on sort of how much other people spend on weddings and how much we thought we could get away with the wedding here in, in Toronto. So we knew how much we wanted to spend. But pricing it out with Disney, we were able to get a lot more, it felt like, to us for that same price. So it felt, it felt very doable for us. That's interesting. So then how did your friends and family react when they found out where you decided to have your wedding? I think at first they were very shocked and sort of confused. Like, <laughs> what? Is that like, we just, no one knew it was a thing. Um, and so when we actually got to Disney for the wedding and they saw that there was a wedding pavilion and that we had a planner and how big of a deal it was, they're like, wow, like how many weddings a day does this place have? So a lot of people were shocked and hesitant to jump on board and again, thought it would be really expensive and were sort of raising eyebrows. But overall, everyone was very supportive. Um, we were very lucky they were just whatever you guys want, whatever makes you happy. 
you know, it's your day. We don't want you doing something you don't want to do. Um, and we were paying for everything ourselves. So there wasn't any of that to worry about any, you know, parents funding and doing what they want. There were some people, we invited about 70 people and ended up only having about 30 guests. So there were people who couldn't make it just because it's such a big commitment to come and the cost and that sort of thing. But everyone was supportive and everyone wished us well. So they were just happy that we were happy, which was great. That's cool. Well, now let's talk about the locations a little bit. Planning from a distance, now you had been there before on a trip, but how did you decide that Sago Key was the place for you guys? Yeah, we actually were lucky enough to be able to do a site visit. My parents are snowbirds, so they spend their, their winters in the warmth of Florida. So we went to see them and then did a day trip to Disney. We saved the parks for our honeymoon that we knew was coming, but we were able to do that site visit just to sort of confirm where we wanted we knew a couple of things. We definitely knew we wanted our ceremony and our reception to be in the same location to save on the transportation costs and just to make things easier. And we also knew we didn't want an in-park ceremony just because the timing, the early morning uh, that you so bravely did just never appealed to us. So <laughs> we, knew, we knew those things. And then we, we visited a couple Grand Floridian locations and a couple Boardwalk locations and ended up picking Psycho Key and the Whitehall patio. We fell in love with those ones right away. We weren't really expecting to the sort of atmosphere of the Grand Floridian, that hoity-toity, whatever, fanciness isn't really us, but somehow it felt it felt perfect for our wedding day. The fact that Sago Key has a castle view is pretty exceptional to us, sort of a, an extra magical touch. And we wanted to be outdoors, and it just felt perfect for us. It was already so beautiful. It didn't need much decoration, and yeah. Yeah, that's what's so great about their outdoor locations. What I'm curious about, though, is that it's not seen. I mean, people use it a lot for dessert parties, but you don't see too many ceremonies there. Did they offer it or did you say, hey, what about this place? I can't quite remember. I think we must have seen it online, maybe on like one of your sites or something like that, that it could be used as a ceremony. The marina is a little bit more common there, right on the center as a ceremony location, I believe. Um, so we also were looking there, but it was just so public. Um, that we weren't as interested in that and a lot bigger. So for our smaller group, around the corner, a little more secluded, a little more private, it had the benefits of the marina ceremony location, but a, a little more fitting for our location. So they were a little, they were never like, you can't use it or trying to discourage us. They were vocal about, well, we haven't done this in a while, so we'll have to figure out how to do the seating and we're not sure, uh, you know, this and that. But but they were, our planners were great and they were very supportive of that's what we wanted and I'm willing to make it happen for us. So we didn't have any resistance in that. And it's kind of cool to have a, a location that you don't see everywhere as much as like Seabreeze Point and the Wedding Pavilion are completely beautiful and magical. And I love them both. It's it's kind of cool to have um, something a little different. Definitely. How did you situate the ceremony? We were located, I mean, if everyone listening can picture it, basically the bride and groom us, we stood so that the castle was behind us. So we still had that sort of beautiful framing shot where um, the castle's between us um, and then an, an aisle going through. It's sort of hard to ex explain if people can't picture it. It's sort of an oddly shaped space, but it ended up being quite traditional looking with, with an aisle down the center and, and people on either side and, and just up, us at the front with the castle and in the, the water in the background. That's great. And I'm sure you have a picture I can put on the post for this episode on my site. Okay, so then where did you have your reception? Uh, the reception was just next door at the Wide Hall Room and Patio in the Grand Floridian Convention Center. Uh, we chose to just use the outdoor space at the patio because we had a smaller group and we really wanted that outdoor vibe. 
they served our food inside. It was a buffet, so people went in for a little air conditioning break to get the food, but then all the events took place outside on the patio. Oh, that's nice. And that's really neat, too, because you got to have your ceremony and your reception outside, which, you know, sometimes you don't see. Yeah, I mean, we really wanted that if possible. Um, Weather was a big concern for us being from Canada and it being April. It it was still pretty cold for us in in Canada. We were worried that we were going to get to the Florida heat and, you know, it feels so much hotter when you're not used to it. So that was a concern for us that everyone would be sweating. And the rain was obviously a concern, but the, the Whitehall patio was a good compromise because it did have that overhang. So it did end up actually spitting on our wedding day, but we were able to stay outside just because the overhang kept us nice and safe. And the, the Whitehall patio also has fans on the roof that give you a little bit of a breeze for those really hot days. And then, of course, the, the room is right there for a backup. So we, we felt a little bit more insured than with a typical outdoor space just because the indoor space was so close and the overhang. And we also had a, a very elaborate rain plan where the ceremony could take place under the Whitehall patio roof. And then the reception could have been right inside the, the room. So it felt nice to have a little bit of that control and not just be stuck in some random ballroom, as so many people are. Right. Yeah, no, that's what's so great about Whitehall is that it's your rain backup, too. And that's cool. Yeah. Now, did you have a DJ or dancing or any kind of amplified music when you were outside? We did a first dance. We had the iPod set up for the reception. We just did a first sort of ceremonial dance, but no other dancing than that. We're not huge huge dancers. And that's one thing that wasn't sitting right with us about having a wedding here in Toronto, like the evening typical wedding, a big dance party wasn't us. So we did the first dance just to sort of have that, that moment together. But otherwise we just had the iPod set up and we also had a ukulele instrumentalist who did the ceremony and the pre-reception for us. So something a little bit different for our guests again, and then just background music while people ate. That's cool. Okay, so then did you have a theme or add any kind of Disney touches or was the location Disney enough? Our theme sort of was basically fun, 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 fun. We we wanted to make everything for our guests as just as fun and unique and special as possible. So we really focused on adding those elements that would make it entertaining for us. You know, we've all been to those weddings where, you know, you love the bride and groom, but you're just sitting around waiting and it, you don't have the greatest time or, you know, whatever is happening. So we wanted to make sure everyone who could come and celebrate with us had a really good time. So we didn't have a theme in like a, a Cinderella theme or anything like that, but all of our choices were based on like which of these choices would be more fun for all of our guests. We didn't add too many Disney touches. They were certainly there. I mean, Mickey and Minnie came and we had, you know, a couple of hidden Mickeys here and there. But for me, I was like, we're already in Disney World and there were already some people who were coming that thought we were a little bit crazy. And I thought... I don't think we can go much further with the Disney theme. I think we're already here and you can already see the castle and the monorail goes through the Whitehall patio. So I think that's enough for us. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So then what were the most and least important aspects of your wedding when you were focusing your time and your budget? Yeah, like I said, definitely the most important thing was was the experiential things that we could add. So as soon as I heard dessert parties were a thing, I needed to have one because like that's such a cool and unique Thing that you don't get at any other wedding, you know, an extra event to make everyone feel so special. And I really wanted, if it was possible, Minnie Mickey, and I really wanted a caricature artist. And we were able to make things happen by cutting down on decor and the extra, like, food and things like that. You know, the buffets that are pre-made by Disney are huge. So we were able to take a lesser expensive buffet to start with and then cut a few items and save hundreds of dollars that way, but still have way more than enough food. Disney is not going to let you starve. And, you know, we went, after we picked the Grand Floridian, those chairs at the convention center are orange, and uh, there was no way I was going to 
pay for chair covers. So I, I guess one of our colors is going to be orange now. <laughs> it all worked beautifully, you know, and no one would know that we only picked orange because of those chairs. But uh, for me, in a beautiful venue like those and at Disney World, um, the decor is just, it wasn't, it wasn't worth spending hardly anything at all on. And that's not what people are going to remember at the end of the day. Um, yeah. right. Especially with, like you say, with your venues were already decorated by nature. And then you also had the monorail. And so, yeah, lots of stuff already to look at. A lot going on already. And I like the tip about the buffet, too, because it's true. There is so much food on those menus. And I think people think that they just have to take the menu as it comes and there's way too much. Plus, usually there's a dessert and they're going to have cake. And you can save so much money by cutting that down. And people, like you say, are not going to starve. <laughs> yeah. Disney won't let you. They won't let you starve. We had so much food. I had a crazy time trying to find a buffet because I started by doing a completely custom buffet from scratch. And it just ended up being so expensive. You know, you'd add orange juice and it would cost an extra $15 and all these crazy things. So I finally realized just get one of the pre-made ones and do a couple substitutions and cut a couple things out. I ended up saving so much money, um, and it was so easy once I just gave up on my custom menu, but I still got exactly what I wanted. So I definitely recommend to anyone, just start with one of their pre-made ones if you need to save some money, because it really does save you a bundle. That's great. Now, what turned out to be your favorite memory of the wedding day? Well, you know, I was thinking about this question. It's such a hard one, because the whole day was just so exceptional for us. My first reaction was to say Mickey and Minnie coming because that was so special and, and so worth every penny. At the same time, there's so many little moments you don't expect that end up being so meaningful to you on, on your wedding day. One in particular, we ended up being rained out for our dessert party so that we had the, the food part in Living Seas. And then we walked out to the United Kingdom to watch the fireworks. Um, and we got to walk through Epcot at one of the busiest times of the day. And I'll never forget walking through Canada as Canadians. And the, they don't know we're Canadian, but they start cheering and they're singing, oh, Canada. And we're singing back at them and everyone's cheering and clapping. And I felt like such a celebrity. It was a really special moment. We, we were just so, so high on life in that moment when everyone was cheering. And that's something that wouldn't have gotten happen if it hadn't rained that afternoon. That's great. Well, I think that what was really special about the whole day was just how much of a, a princess all the Disney staff treats you like all day. You really do get such a special experience um, from them and to have that once in a lifetime experience where everyone is waiting on you hand and foot and every time you, you sniffle, you know, there's six handkerchiefs under your nose and, and that sort of truly royal experience that I'll never get again, I'll never forget. I'm just pampered for a day. So that was really special. That's great. Now, besides getting your dessert party rained out, was there anything else that didn't turn out like you expected or maybe went wrong? Um, you know, not, not really. The overall gist of the day was that everything was just perfect and magical. I think that my advice to a lot of brides would be don't sweat the small stuff. You have to, like, give up control on the day of and just not let, not let anything bother you. So, you know, like a thing here and there, like seating wrong, like whatever, little things that don't matter went wrong. The only thing that I really wish I could change was we did have some problems with ambient noise at our, our location at Sayago Key. So that's something for anyone to keep in mind, one con to that place. You're of course warned with any outdoor event that ambient noise they can't control. But we had a, a lawnmower blower incident right in the middle of our ceremony. That is really unfortunate and too bad. But you know, we can laugh about it now and laughed about it the day of, of course, too. It was very, very loud. And I know the Disney staff, the, the planners did everything they could to stop. I heard rumors they were like running around screaming and sort of, 
you have to go all the way around that a marina loop to get to them. You know, turn them off, turn them off, no, no. And they did everything they could, but it was it was pretty much the whole ceremony was overshadowed by these leaf blowers and but in the pictures you can't tell. The video the video sometimes makes me cringe still because all you can hear is yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but that's the only thing that really went wrong and really it's just funny. And now every time like we hear a lawnmower in the distance, we'll be like, Oh, our wedding. <laughs> that's, our song. that's our wedding song. <laughs> that's a great way to look at it. <laughs> there's something you can do, you know, there's always gonna be little things that go wrong, but you can't let it bother you. And that leads me to my next question, because I know as a bride I did and many other brides, we stress out about little things. Like I remember one bride was stressed out about the color of her bridesmaid's shoes, and then they don't turn out to be that big a deal on the day of. Did you have anything like that? Oh, I feel like every everything was like that. I was just a ball of anxiety and stress and freaking out the whole time before the wedding. But really, on the day of, it ends up not mattering. So you have, it's so much easier said than done to just not stress that small, the small details, um, because you're not going to notice your day is going to fly by. One thing in particular, I spent, I feel like weeks of my life agonizing about the ukulele player, whether to use a guitarist or a ukulele player or an iPod or what. And then once we finally decided on the ukulele player, what songs? And it was just like email after email to my planner and like, like stress and freaking out and like deep breathing and upset all the time about this. The day of, I didn't hear a single note of ukulele because I was too, too focused on other things. You know, I walked down the aisle. I think I may have heard a, a chord or two, but I was focused on not tripping and the fact that I was headed towards my husband to be. And then I just didn't, didn't hear anything. So all those agonizing decisions I made about what I would walk into and what I would walk out to and nope, didn't even, didn't even hear it. (laughs) Everyone tells me it was great though. So I feel good about that choice, but I wish I hadn't, I hadn't been so anxious about it because really. Yeah. It makes you think if they had anybody cheaper, like, I don't know, an accordionist or something, you could have that and nobody would even notice. (laughs) That's the cheapest one. I'll take that one. Which is kind of why we chose an instrumentalist in the end, because for our location, for an outdoor location, having an instrumentalist over a, a speaker system was so much less expensive. I think the instrumentalist, I don't know the prices, um, anyone who's currently planning will know, but it's something like $300 for your instrumentalist, and our iPod setup was going to be over $1,000. So I was like, well, that makes that decision for me. Like, I'm not going to pay that much more for the, for, you know, recorded music. That's a good tip. So you guys were able to have what seems like a lot of extra things in your wedding. You had characters, you had a ukuleleist, things that maybe are above and beyond what somebody would expect from the most inexpensive of Disney weddings, and yet you were able to stick to this budget. How did you accomplish that? I think we started off knowing that we had to stick to our minimum. We chose a a brunch Sunday morning wedding on purpose. I know the minimums have changed, but at the time, that was the least expensive minimum you could have. Um, And we just knew we had to stick to it as close as possible. And I was insistent on that everything would go through Disney. Everything that Disney would provide, I would go through in order to hit that minimum. So, you know, people say all the time, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing my floral through an outside florist, so I'm saving money. True, but if you need to stick to your minimum, that's going to come on top of your minimum. You know what I mean? Um, so we did photography outside, but everything else was through Disney. And by we stuck to that minimum by you know cutting down on all the decor. Decor adds up so quickly. Our original floral budget, like so many people's, was like ten thousand dollars higher than what we ended up spending. Cutting down on everything personal floral, those bouquets, Disney 
sticks you with right away are ginormous. So if you need to save money, you don't need to spend $300 on your bouquet. Oh, they're, they're beautiful, but if you need to cut back, uh, you can absolutely do it. And no one's going to think you have a small bouquet. Mm-hmm. Cutting down on a food a little bit, you're still going to have tons of food. Thinking about, you know, a, a morning ceremony is going to save you a lot of money because people don't drink as much in the morning. Um, breakfast food is less expensive. You might not need a DJ and that sort of thing. So sort of structuring your day around having a, a smaller budget is better because if we had switched to an evening event, that would have added thousands of dollars just automatically by having a nighttime affair because there's more alcohol, more expensive food, a DJ, that sort of thing. What else? We had a, we did have a small guest count, only 30 people. So of course, every head adds hundreds of dollars. And think about not inviting those second cousins. If you can get away with it, every family's different. But making it a really intimate affair worked really well for us. And you can really spend time with each guest individually and the people that really matter most to you will be, you know, more intimate and more personal experience and it and will save you a lot of money as well. And and just focus on what will really make your day special to you. So don't have pomanders or whatever, just because you think you need to have them. Just have the things that really mean a lot to you and you'll realize how much you can cut out and not really be sad at all. Great tips. So do you have any other tips or advice for anyone who's considering a Disney wedding? I would say pick a budget based on what you want to spend and what you can spend and really stick to it. I always said throughout our planning experience that part of what will make this the perfect day is if it's also on budget. I won't feel good about it if if I've spent too much. You know, I part of making it perfect is getting it on task. So I think you can stick to a budget. Disney really can make things happen for you at any price point. It feels like they're totally crazy. Everything's expensive. You can't do anything, but they will work with you. And you can make it happen for your price. So don't go in debt for your wedding. It's not worth it. I really, I really believe that because you want to go on other vacations in your life. You know, you want to do other really fun things. So don't dig yourself into a hole for this one event. So I think you can stick to your budget. You can totally do it. And then don't sweat the small stuff and trust Disney. They are magical people. <laughs> they can make it happen for you. So just sort of let it, let it happen. <laughs> That's great advice. So is there any place online where my listeners can go to read about or see photos of your day? Yeah, absolutely. I've been on a couple of blogs, um, the Magical Day Weddings blog and the Happiest Blog on Earth both featured our wedding a little bit. So there's some stories and some pictures there as well. If you just want to look me up on Facebook, Jenna Vince, um, I have a couple public wedding albums so you, that you can check out or feel free to, of course, add me on Facebook or send me a message if you have any questions about the venues or about budgets or about Disney weddings or whatever you want to talk about. I'm always happy to relive the wedding. I wish my wedding was coming up, so I would be more than happy to talk about your upcoming wedding if you want to. (laughs) That's great. Well, Jenna, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I think you've offered a lot of great tips for saving money, ways to add value for not a lot of money, and just some different ideas that people considering a Walt Disney World wedding or a vow renewal or a commitment ceremony will find very helpful. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Carrie. I loved it. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide. Available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com/weddings.asp, 
or in print at Passporter.com and Amazon.com.